0: the world hates you keep in mind that it hated me first if you belonged to the world it would love you as its own as it is you do not belong to the world but i have chosen you out of the world that is why the world hates you remember what i told you a servant is not greater than his master If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my Father. But this is to fulfil what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who goes out from the Father, He will testify about me, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Hello everyone. Uh, I'm Amy, if I haven't met you before, it would be great to say hello after. Um, everyone, everyone will need one of these tonight, so Ali is just handing them around. If you haven't got one, put your hand up, uh, she'll bring them around. Uh, you'll need a pen as well. Uh, tonight's sermon is going to be a little more interactive then usual. So, get stuck in for the ride. Um, uh, give me a show of hands who's travelled around Australia before. Great. Who's travelled around New South Wales in particular before? Awesome. Fantastic. You'll, you maybe have seen some of these pictures I'm about to show you. Um, so, you might have come across some of these big sculptures around New South Wales, Right. It's a bit weird, but um, there's these random country t- towns that have, I can say that because I'm from New South Wales, okay. Um, but uh, here we go. Uh, this is the big ram that's in Goulburn. And it is pretty big, right? But like when you compare it to the big banana in Coft Harbour, not so big. It's a bit of a, like, yeah, a bit of a disappointment, this one. Um, and then, but my favourite right, is the one that's in Robertson. It says it's a big potato. Doesn't look like a big potato. No, looks like a big turd, let's be honest. Right. There's, 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 a, there's a certain disappointment we feel when our expectations for like seeing these big wonderful things um, don't match up. Uh, there's another great example of these mismatched expectations from Toy Story 3. Now, hands up who, um, who's a fan of Toy Story, who grew up with it? Yes, who travelled the journey? from number one to number whatever up to. Um, great. So, uh, basically, Andy, the kid, is all grown up and he donates his toys to the daycare centre. The toys are so excited that they finally get to be played with again. So, let's see what happens to expectations. Um, expectations, eh? Andy's toys had their expectations dashed. Uh, because they weren't based in reality, they weren't real. Now sometimes in our Western culture, it might not be something that someone says to us that made things tricky or hard, but maybe it's just the environment that we live in. The general hostility of everyone swimming away from God makes it a little bit harder to swim in the direction God wants us to. So what Jesus is trying to do in our passage today, I think, is to prepare his disciples for the to have real expectations, to know that it is going to be hard so that they don't fall away. Because the worst thing that could happen is for you to have a bad experience of being a Christian and because of that, stop believing. That would be a tragedy. So what we're going to do tonight is to have a look at the real expectations that we should have, why we should have those real expectations, and what are we going to do about it. We're also going to hear some stories from our church family here uh, as well. So let me pray for us as we get stuck in. Dear God, please open our hearts and minds to hear your words today. Build our trust in you and help us encourage each other to keep following you even when it's hard. Amen. All right, so real expectations. The first thing we need to remind ourselves about this passage is what is going on for Jesus. He's chatting with his disciples and this is only a small part of the bigger conversation that he's having with them before he goes up to the cross. They don't quite understand this yet. Jesus keeps telling his disciples, his friends, that he's going to leave them and understandably they're pretty upset by this. So he's trying to both comfort them and prepare him for when he leaves. In this particular bit of this conversation, Jesus is preparing them to face the hate and hostility that the world will throw at them. So I want us to play a little mirroring game here. I told you this would be an interactive sermon. So um, did, you, did you guys ever play this game when you were a kid where like, you have to mirror the person's actions in front of you? So if I do this with my hand, you guys, that's right. Yes, yeah, you got it. All right, if I do this, fantastic. All right, we've got this. Okay, I'm going to make some sign um, with my hands. <laughs> Go for it. Um, uh, this is a combination of Auslan and keyword sign. Um, I'm going to do some actions, and I want you to copy them. I'll, as you do that, listen to the words that I say. Jesus says, if the world hates you... Remember, it's because they hated me first. You don't belong to the world. You belong to God. If the world persecutes Jesus, they will persecute you too. If they obey Jesus, they will obey you too. Great job. Uh, what I want us to see here is uh, that Jesus says in verse 20, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. Jesus saying what happens to him will happen to you too. Maybe not exactly the same. Like I, I don't really expect us here in comfortable Australia to be crucified on a cross. But we should expect the world to hate us. And some of that sort of thing did happen to his disciples. It's like a mirror image. You see, if we say that we trust Jesus and follow him, we should expect the world to hate us, to show us some form of hostility because we're supposed to be following Jesus, growing to be more like him and so reflecting who Jesus is to the world. It's not us they're hating, it's Jesus. We're just the form of Jesus to them. And despite all of the good that Jesus did and the good news of salvation that he shared, the Jews, well they thought he was blaspheming against God because he was claiming to be God. And when when John was writing all of this down, the Roman Emperor was declaring himself to be the Lord and God. So of course they're going to be hating on Jesus and hating on the disciples. I wonder if if we were like the world, if the world liked us, I wonder if that would mean that we'd stopped reflecting Jesus at that point. When the world doesn't follow God, the world rejects him. When the world doesn't trust Jesus, they reject him. And so despite all of the good that we might do, we will still face hostility because we belong to God and not the world. So this is where I'm going to invite our first person to come on up and hear from them. So Meryn, come on down. Meryn has very kindly offered to share a story of some hostility that she has experienced uh, recently. Thank you so much, Meryn. Also, this is the first time I'm meeting Meryn. Great to meet you. <laughs> Um, Maren, tell us uh, what
2: do you do um, hi everyone I'm a doctor I work at the Royal Melbourne and the Alfred hospitals um, in neurology um, and at the moment I'm doing a epilepsy fellowship there and also um, working on a PhD cool
1: lots of things thanks um, what, uh, tell us what, what hostility did you experience this week
2: um, so it was a couple of weeks ago, it's, it's a bit of a low key or subtle example but I guess that's probably more common for a lot of us. Um, so I was in clinic, uh, my clinics are supervised by a consultant. Um, we share a list and I just you just pick the next patient off the list. I had seen a young, a young woman who had a particular condition for which she needed a medication that is associated with birth defects. And as I was talking to her about the need for contraception, she shared with me that she was a Christian and it turned out that um, she goes to a church that's very similar to ours and shares a lot of similar beliefs to what I did and so we bonded over that and that was very nice. Um, and then after the clinic, when I was ex- sort of talking to my consultant about all of the patients, um, he just said, oh, that patient, I know she's extremely religious um, I hope you spoke to her about contraception because um, she's the one who's going to fall accidentally pregnant. Interesting. Oh, oh yeah.
1: You don't, yeah, I don't need that. You've, yeah. I've got this. Um, how does that make you feel concerning faith in the workplace?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of assumptions in that comment. Mm. Um, and uh, I think I was a little taken aback that it was a little... I guess, unprofessional in my um, opinion, (laughs) to sort of make those sort of comments about somebody. Um, But also made me feel a bit um, less inclined to want to share my faith to my colleagues. Um, It's a workplace that I've been in for under four months now, so not very long, Mm. and hadn't probably openly shared that I was a Christian yet. And so now that feels even harder. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Thanks, Marin. Give her a little applause.
1: Thank you. Uh, You might have some similar stories, and I would really encourage you to share those with each other this evening so that we can offer support um, and encourage each other to keep standing firm in our faith. Uh, So we've had a look at the real expectations that we should have. Now we're going to turn to the why. Why will they hate us? Why does does God choose us and not them? Why don't they know God? Why don't they believe? There are a lot of why questions from this passage. Uh, We're not going to have time to explore all of them in great depth, but um, I do want you to try and find them first in the passage. So this is where you need to get your little sheet and your pen. Um, I'll give you about 40 seconds to find all of the whys that are in here. So have a look for... um, the word why, uh, the words because, and so that. And that'll give you a bit of a picture of what's going on. Ten seconds left all right let's see uh which verses you got uh hands up if you got uh if you found a y in best nineteen great. Uh, Verse 21, fantastic. Uh, 16 verse 3, yes. 16 verse 1 and 4, a few others. Great, excellent. All right, let's uh, take a look at those in a little bit more detail. Uh, Verse 19, why will they hate us? This verse says because Jesus has chosen us out of the world. That's not because we're any better than anyone else. Paul writes in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, every one of us, me and you. We all need saving and we can't save ourselves. In God's kindness, he chooses us. He adopts us to be his own children, even before creation. That's in Ephesians 1 verse 5. And this choosing is called election. It's out of God's love us for his creation, for us, that he chooses some to save when no one deserves it or is worthy of it. That is what the Bible calls grace. Now you might be wondering, why couldn't he just choose to save everyone? It's a big question Uh, and it's a worthwhile question to explore but God also wants us to have some choice in this too. And both things are true, even while they might seem a bit opposite or contradictory from each other. Both things are true. And uh, you can see the following logic in verse 21. They're going to treat you this way with persecution because of Jesus' name and because they don't know Jesus and they don't know that Jesus comes from God the Father. They don't get that. So you know that saying, ignorance is bliss? Ignorance is not bliss here. It's really sad because this, this case of ignorance of not knowing that Jesus is from God means that they're not saved. And that is tragic. And Jesus keeps on going. He says, actually, they've had heaps of opportunity to believe. They've heard the message I've been preaching. They've seen the truth in the miracles. But they don't believe. And that means that they're guilty. They're guilty of rejecting God himself. And that's sad because rejecting God, rejecting the saving message of Jesus means that they won't be saved from the consequence of sin. Jesus says again in 16 verse 3, it's because they don't know who Jesus really is. They don't know he comes from the Father. And because of this, they're going to throw people out of the synagogues. They're going to throw them out of church and they're going to kill people. And doing both of those things, some people are going to think they're doing that for God. If you read the book of Acts later on, so many good stories in there, but you see this happening in, in real time for these disciples. Peter gets thrown out of church, out of the synagogue so many times Paul, he writes many of his letters from prison. And the irony is, of course, that they think they're doing it for God, but they've missed the point entirely. You know, they even thought killing Christians was offering a service to God. And Paul is a great example of that. Before he became a Christian, he was standing over the stoning of Stephen, nodding in approval. Thinking I'm doing the work of God here. How wrong he was. But his story is also a demonstration of God's great act of grace and mercy on that man's life. That Paul, someone who stood over the killing of someone else for God, is transformed by Jesus, and then it testifies to the work of Jesus on the cross in his life and in many others. So people can change. People who hate on Christians can change. And the last why, in 16 verse 1 and verse 4, that's not so much the why we'll face hostility, but it's more the why Jesus is telling his disciples this will happen. He's telling us so that we won't fall away, so that his disciples won't fall away, Because the worst thing that could happen is for them to be thrown out of church um, or something like that, and and from that experience, uh, fall away from Jesus. That would be terrible. Jesus wants us to stand firm. So this is why he warns his disciples and why it's here in the Bible to warn us too. So that when we experience tough times, when we experience either direct or indirect hate, or hostility for being a Christian, we will remember that Jesus said this would happen. And when we remember he said this, we can think, oh, Jesus' words are true. Everything Jesus says is true, including my salvation. But that's not the end of the story. Smack bang in the middle of this passage, uh, is a very important thing for us to remember. Verse 26: When the Advocate comes, the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Spirit is with us. Jesus sent Him uh, when He was back back in heaven, um, and uh, you can read about it also in Acts. Uh, at Pentecost, the Spirit comes, and now for everyone who trusts in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells in us. The Holy Spirit is with us always. And what's he going to do? He will testify about me. The Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. The Holy Spirit living in us is going to remind us who Jesus is, what he's done for us, and help us to testify as well. In verse 27, and you also must testify... It's that mirror image again. As the Spirit lives in us and testifies to us, we too testify to other people. We reflect that. the Spirit uh, will remind us who Jesus is, what he's done for us. He will convict us of sin and remind us of the grace and the hope that we have in Jesus. And he will give us courage and prompt us to keep on testifying about Jesus. And yes, that may give us a little more hate and hostility, but the Spirit reminds us of the truth of that saving message of Jesus. And that truth is the most important thing in the world. And actually, maybe a bit of hostility is okay, because I know that I'm saved and the person giving me a bit of hate, they don't know Jesus yet. And maybe through my actions and words, the way that I respond to them, maybe that would be a witness and a testimony to the work of Jesus. And maybe they might come to believe and be saved too. We can only pray, right? We're going to hear another story from Rosie. Rosie, coming down. down. Uh, we're going to hear uh, what Rosie has experienced through a bit of her life um, and how she chooses to respond as well. So... Um, Rosie, can you, guys? Um, can you uh, share your experience of being a Christian in the world uh, through school, uni times things like that um,
3: well I'm in the world. when I was growing up I think believing in something was a bit weird so there was always teasing about believing in God but I think going to school here and to uni at Melbourne, um, everyone believes in something, whether that's like stars or gemstones or ghosts or whatever, everyone believes in something. So what I got pressure from then was my commitment to the church. um, And so I think... Like, my friends would be surprised that I chose to go to church every week by myself without my parents or um, they thought it was funny that I had relationship boundaries with my boyfriend or um, that my dad was a minister or they would think that Hillsong is a cult or that they'd be a bit suspicious that I went on summer camps, um, all those sorts of things. Um, But yeah, I think they were... happy to hear that I did like free tutoring at the housing estates Um, they just thought it was weird that I went to do Bible study with a bunch of adults for fun because I wanted to yeah
1: (laughs) how do you keep trying to live for Jesus in an environment that thinks it's real weird
3: it's really tricky um But I try to be really frank with people. Like, you know, if they ask me what I'm doing on Sunday, I'll say, I'm going to church, do you want to come? And sometimes they say yes. I've had one friend who decided to come because her housemates were going to be doing mushrooms and she didn't want to be there for it, so decided to come to church with me, which was nice. Great alternative. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so being frank and generally at, like, Worst case, people sort of accept things politely and it's a little bit awkward. And then in the best case, we have a chat or they come to church or whatever. Um, But, yeah, generally the people that I'm most open and honest with, they're they're my closest friends now. So, um, yeah, and even if they're not really into church, they'll be um, pretty happy to continue having chats about stuff, which is nice. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thanks, Rosie.
1: I want us to think now about um, how we respond to all of this, Uh, the so what. Uh, And we're going to think back to the Toy Story clip. Uh, Andy's toys, right at the start, right? They were new and fresh, a little bit naive. They don't have the real expectations yet. They get ready, not knowing what to expect. But you see Buzz towards the end, uh, Twig, oh, I, got, I better get a bit more ready, and he puts his shield down. It reminds me of, of being a new Christian. Uh, if you're a new Christian, that might be a little bit like you, right? Get into practice of guarding your heart. Paul describes our Christian life as as like living a spiritual battle and to put on the armour of God. We are in this spiritual battle. So we do need to put our spiritual armour on and be ready to get some hostility and some hate for being a Christian. I would want to say here to assume a defensive position. We're not on the attack, okay? (laughs) Jesus has already won this battle. He has overcome the world. So you don't need to win every argument you might have with someone about Christianity. What we want to do is win them to the person of Jesus. So that might mean you have to sit okay with being right but not fighting for it in an argument. You might need to show a little more... um, Uh, emotional care for the person, partial care for the person, uh, show them the actions of Jesus while you're having that conversation uh, and help win them to Jesus, not necessarily win an argument. Other toys, they run away and hide under the bucket. So we could run away and hide too, that's an option. Uh, We could try and avoid it, but it's not what Jesus calls us to do here. Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. He says to pray for those who persecute you. So when you're facing some hate, pray for that person because they don't know Jesus yet and that is tragic. Other toys, they hide trembling under the bookshelves, the shelves there. And so another option there is that we could withdraw like Benedictine monks or something like that. But Jesus doesn't really give us that option either. Because he says, testify. You can't really run away and still tell people about Jesus. Uh, so, uh, testify. The Spirit will help us to do that. And in turn, we need to keep sharing Jesus with others. And the last one, Jessie, the ever positive Jesse in Toy Story. She says, with real expectations, mind you. Well, we just have to make the most of it. And we do. The life following Jesus will be hard, but it's also full of so much joy. Have a look around the room. Move your head. Look around. This is our church family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a joy to be part of this family with you. Last week we learned that we are connected to the vine. We're all connected to Jesus and as we're connected we bear fruit that helps us to love God more and to love each other more. We get encouragement from each other so that we can stand firm during the week when we're a bit isolated from our church family. Today, tonight we're going to share communion. Uh, And this reminds us of God's promises and grace to us, that we are forgiven and we're saved through Jesus. This is great, good news for us. And we receive support from each other as we do this together, reminding each other of these great promises to us. And then there's the Bible, the Scriptures. God's word to us encourages us when times are tough. One of my favourite passages is from 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 9 because it reminds me why we might suffer now and reminds me of the great promises we've got in Jesus. We've got an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. You guys might have a different passage that you go to. So we're going to do one more little activity uh, to finish off. Um, On the back of your little page here, what helps you stand firm in the face of hostility? If you've got something that comes immediately to mind, a Bible passage that you love, write that down. Take a moment to do that. and I want you to share that with the people around you. I would love for you to go home with a great list of resources, passages to read um, or tips, for standing firm in Jesus during the week. How to stand firm in your faith. Uh, so I'm going to give you a minute or so now to chat with the people around you, form a little group. Um, what helps you stand firm? Share those things. Go. All right, let's come back together again. There's some great conversations happening there. I want to uh, encourage you to keep having those chats after church tonight so that you go home with a full list of things that you can stick on your fridge and remind yourself before you head off for the day that Jesus is with you. Uh, As the band comes up, let me pray for us that we would keep on standing firm. Loving God, we thank you so much for the saving message of Jesus. Thank you that you've saved us and thank you for our church family here to encourage and support us. God, give us courage this week to stand firm and to testify to this saving message. Lord, help us to reach out to each other and encourage each other when we need it. And Holy Spirit, please uh, help us to know that you are with us in those moments that we need it the most. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.